You can earn a $10 bonus reward when you buy a pair of Rain-X Quantum Wiper Blades. See better and stay safe on the road all winter long. Get the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Restrictions apply. Offer available to AutoZone Rewards members. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign. And we handle the rest. Sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. Your exclusive home of Championship Week, ESPN Wichita 92.3. ESPN Wichita is bringing you a full week of college basketball action leading up to March Madness. We'll have exclusive live play-by-play of the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, plus the ACC and Big 10 tournament championship games. And it all leads to our Selection Sunday special to kick off March Madness right here on your home for college basketball, ESPN Wichita. 92.3 FM. Entrepreneurs Wanted, with over 25 years as a commercial real estate leader in Wichita, Occidental Management is proud to support entrepreneurs in the markets we live and work. One such business is Knox Numis, a wealth management advisory group. Our business moved to our new North Rock location, and they seamlessly guided us through the build-out of the space. We couldn't have asked for a better partner. We are committed to providing the best value and quality to the businesses we serve. To learn more, visit OCCMGMT.com or call 316-262-3331. Hour number two here on a Tuesday. Shane Dennis Show. If you missed our interview with Scott Pask talking about state tournament that's upcoming, boys and girls, you can listen to the podcast, ESPNWichita.com. Shortly after the pulse is through. Every Tuesday about this time, we jump on the hotline, talk all things Kansas City sports with Mr. Jordan Foote. He is deputy editor at Arrowhead Report. We'll talk Chiefs here in just a second. Uh, happy Tuesday, Jordan. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm well. What is your favorite cereal? It's National Cereal Day. Oh, man, that is a tough one. I should have been prepared because I saw you tweet that it was going to be a cereal thing today, and it was National Cereal Day. I'm stalling. Um, I think. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. My number one overall seed is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Do you argue with that? I was going to say, that's my number one overall seed for sure, and I know that I could probably, some days I might have a different favorite, but, like, if I had to eat one cereal for, like, a week straight, I think that would be it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad, uh, and Jack agrees too. So there's uh, there's at least three, two two other people that, that think like I do. That that stuff I could eat the whole box. Okay, um, so the Orlando Brown Jr. news broke about this time uh, yesterday that Chiefs weren't going to franchise tag him. Uh, what does that mean to you? And what is that a good decision by the Chiefs? It's a pretty wild one. I mean, I did not expect it. I, I thought that at least he would have some sort of market on a potential sign-and-trade, um, tag-and-trade scenario. And it could just be that Brett Beach went to the NFL Combine last week and 
found out, hey, he doesn't have the market that people think. And then once he got that information, he said, hey, man, we're not going to pay you what you want. We aren't really sure the rest of the league is going to pay you what you want. And also, thinking internally, they're not going to get anything for him really valuable via trade. Um, and they can't use that non-exclusive tag because then it's two first-round picks and no one wants to give that up for Lamba Brown. So it definitely was a shock. It wasn't nearly a Tyreek Hill level shock, obviously, because that guy was already there and, and they yeah. still have a week to uh, come up with a deal. But, man, the initial emotion was just, wow, That is a that was a surprising thing for sure. Uh, Frank Clark, as surprising, not as surprising, about the same? Um, not as surprising. Like, I think this one, people kind of expected them to just figure it out, but also the probability of him being cut if they didn't figure it out was almost 100%. Like, if with Orlando Brown, if they didn't come to a conclusion on a deal, most people expected him to still be tagged, and then you see what happens after there. But with Frank Clark there was no figuring that out. Like, his cap hit was just too astronomical. It was like $29 million. They can save uh, $21 million and, and a little bit of change on the salary cap. Um, they have a dead cap hit, of course. But, like, they're getting a decent chunk of money back for Frank Clark. And it's not like Frank Clark has been an elite player or anything even close to it. He's had some good moments as a closer in the playoffs. Yeah. And I know James Palmer has mentioned this week that – teams like players like that i have my reservations about how he is health-wise and how other teams feel about that but again i know we'll we'll peel back both of those moves but initial reaction for that not really shocked but a little bit surprised they weren't able to work something out talking to jordan foot uh talking chiefs for the moment we'll get to the royals here in just a little bit um so i asked jack this question in the open uh with the brown and clark news do you think that sets into motion uh, a shift in strategy, if there was any, on who the Chiefs draft at 31 to try to replace one of those two guys? I think it definitely could. And this is something where before those moves were made, you were thinking, heck, maybe the Chiefs go wide receiver in round one. And uh-huh. I've harped time and time again on this show, and I think that we, we shared the sentiment of – you don't exactly want to be picking 31 and a half to fill that with a day one starter. Like that's just not good business usually. Um, and it's a lot of pressure on a relatively unproven player, but now I, I don't know if they have that luxury. Like they almost have to, because they're going to need one starting defensive end. They're going to need one starting left tackle. They might need one starting right tackle. They're going to need a little bit of help in the secondary at some point. That third safety or even the starting safety is a big deal for the Chiefs. Um, and then wide receiver is also a really big deal. So this is a team, and I've seen people say that this is a more important rebuild or this is a bigger rebuild than off, last offseason. I don't necessarily agree with that, but this is the continuation of the Chiefs putting themselves in a good position to complete a two-year process, and I think this is the second year of that. So – do they draft wide receivers still at 31? Maybe not now. I mean, you look at the tackle class, though, you're hoping Anton Harrison from Oklahoma falls down to 31. I'm not sure he does. Or do you reach for a DeWan Jones, who's a right tackle, or a Jalen Duncan, who's a little bit light, and I'm not sure he's going to hold down left tackle from day one in the NFL. And on the flip side of that, do you trade up 
do you move up for Peter Skaronsky and hope that he can play tackle despite having Joe Tooney arms? Or do you trade up for Broderick Jones from Georgia or Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State? Like These are decisions the Chiefs are going to have to make. And then at edge, that's the one position where the athletic profile just completely drops off after about 30 picks. And sometimes if you're lucky, it's 50. The Chiefs don't have with some of these guys like a B.J. Ojolari from LSU. He's not a really good fit. They're going to have to make a decision. And I know that the mock drafts today, um, one of them, I believe it was Brugler from The Athletic, had them taking um, Dewan Jones. And then the other one from McShay had them taking Derek Hall from Auburn. And, of course, those could have came out and, and been put in, in print and published before um, this news came out yesterday. But it definitely makes you wonder, do the Chiefs make a trade up? They have the capital for it. Is it worth doing that? Um, and then it's, of course, impacted by their free agency plans as well. Speaking of free agency, what, what uh, position group are the Chiefs most likely to try to fix via free agency as opposed to the draft? Uh, I think the, the easy thing to cheat and say is right tackle because they can just go get Andrew Wiley or wide receiver because they can just go get Juju Smith-Schuster and bring him back. Um, but I think it. the thing is there aren't usually fantastic free agent left tackles out there, and when there are, they get paid very handsomely, and Orlando Brown right. Jr. is probably going to get paid very handsomely by somebody, um, and it's not going to be the Chiefs, so I'll just spoil that. Um, <laughs> if Taylor Lewan is out there. I, he hasn't been healthy. He also has had, like, struggled to put on some weight and keep on weight with his injuries. Um, Donovan Smith is potentially going to be a free agent. I can see him being, like, a one-year stopgap option. Like, if I'm Brett Veach, I'm probably bringing in a veteran left tackle via free agency and then drafting someone and hoping that the rookie beats out the vet or the vet can help the rookie along. And then next season you, you kind of take your lumps there. And the thing is, so Shane Orlando Brown Jr. Wasn't that good this past season. Like, yeah, he stepped up in the Super Bowl, but he had some really, really rough moments throughout the year. He needed a lot of help. And when you're paying Andrew Wiley 4 million bucks or whatever the price tag was for him, that's okay. Cause you're getting all that you're paying for. And then some out of him, you got roughly comparable production from Orlando Brown, and you were paying him nineteen million, or I guess it was sixteen three on the on the tag. Yeah, you would have been doing it again for the twenty twenty three season on a twenty million price tag. So the needs they have are needs that you have to shell out a ton in free agency to get. So I don't really think they're going to get a big time left tackle or a big time edge rusher, but maybe like a Marcus Davenport comes in on a, a lower price tag or they bring back a Carlos Dunlap or they bring back a Juju at wide receiver or they do sign a Donovan Smith. Um, I just don't expect the Chiefs to have really, really high-profile free agency signings because, yeah, they're getting some cap space now by not carrying around the, the Orlando Brown number. They don't have the Frank Clark number. Like They're around $17, 18000000 as we speak. Um, with some moves probably still coming. But I think like a, I guess a Justin Reed would be like the max that they do. Like it may be a, a nice young player who just got off a rookie deal, who comes in on a decent contract, maybe an MBS. Like if you're thinking Juju makes 13, 14 million a year, 
um, average annual value on a deal. I don't think they go over that for anyone in any position. Talking to Jordan Foot at Footnoted on Twitter, deputy editor at Arrowhead Report, talking Chiefs right now. And man, the position, uh, the running back position, uh, it has fallen all the way off the cliff when it comes to the sexiness and the importance or the uh, perceived importance now versus, I don't know, maybe not even 10 years ago. But it was announced that uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they're going to let his – they're not going to renew his contract, however you want to put it, let his rookie deal expire. I know you got Isaiah Pacheco, uh, and this may be way down the list on uh, matters of importance for Kansas City. But uh, what did you make of the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire experiment, for lack of a better term? Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I think part of it was uh, foreseeable because he just wasn't a fantastic athlete to begin with coming out of college, and then he's one of the rare players where it wasn't age that got to him. It wasn't a completely debilitating injury like an Achilles or an ACL, but just a combination of coming in and getting hurt, having a knee injury or an ankle injury, then the gallbladder surgery and not keeping on weight, then dealing with another knee slash ankle, then dealing with another knee slash ankle or the hip. Or he, he just got so many lower body injuries that I think it did sap him of whatever whatever athleticism he had left. And it wasn't a lot, right? He, he was a mm-hmm. marginal to barely above average athlete i think in the nfl he didn't have the burst he didn't have the long speed he's a small guy the contact balance wasn't great like of course we can all say this in retrospect because coming out everyone thought he was going to be a really good fit in the chiefs offense everyone thought that athletically he'd be passable in the nfl and andy Reid would get him open and you saw a little bit of that at the beginning of the year you saw him get involved in the passing game it's unfortunate but I think it's one of those situations where he needs, and I'm not going to make a direct comp to like an Alberto Mondesi because Clyde Edwards-Lair just wasn't nearly as talented as Mondesi was and still is. But when a player keeps trying to get back healthy and can't do it or does, has a little bit of success and then struggles and gets hurt again, sometimes you just need to go somewhere else. And I think – it was a no-brainer to decline the fifth-year option just because of the price tag for that. Um, and I do think that while it's reported the Chiefs aren't, like, actively calling around about him, I do think it would be smart if they picked up the phone and if someone said, hey, we'll give you a fifth-round pick or a conditional sixth or whatever, even though they do need some more depth, I think they can get that while also uh, helping him and helping themselves at the same time. Okay, so uh, shifting gears to baseball now, as uh, the Royals are closing in on another Cactus League championship, uh, looking unstoppable and uh, flying in the face of the Pakoda predictions and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> fill in the blank for me on this, will you? you didn't, doesn't have to be just one word, but uh, take this and run with it. Michael Garcia is blank. Oh, man. That is... And did you say it has to be one word or it doesn't have to be one word? No, it word? does not have to. I don't want it to be one word. Just just go okay. with it. I think Michael Garcia is, and I'm going to get this out of the way, getting hyped a little bit too much right now. However, however, um, people know how I feel about him as a, as a player and his profile. And I do think he's a guy that can help play 
Major League Baseball get routine at-bats and get routine reps in the field as soon as this season. Like, I think mid-year, if Hunter Dozier is not producing at third base and Bobby Witt Jr. is struggling at shortstop, maybe you move Witt over to third. Maybe you bring up Garcia to play short. Maybe you bring up Garcia to play third base. Like, his power is not that of a third baseman, but it's a little bit better than some people think, I believe. Um, He's a guy that he's going to get on base. He's going to produce. He has good speed. He usually plays good defense. He will walk a fair amount, I think, without striking out a ton. I think the power and the walks are going to be his swing skills at the big league level. He's going to play good defense over a big sample size. He's going to have a good glove. He's going to be fast. The thing for him, can he – keep walking at around 8, 9, 10% because that's a, a really big deal. Um, and is it going to keep the strikeouts in check? Is it going to be 25% or is it going to be 18% or somewhere in between? So he's a guy with a really good profile. Um, the pedigree seems to be that of a player who can be a routine big leader, and whether that's average or above average or slightly above average, I, I don't think he's going to be a star by any means, but the Royals clearly like him a lot. J.J. Piccolo just talks nonstop about him. Um, I think that he's a guy that if Bobby Witt Jr. does struggle at shortstop this year, the Royals wouldn't think twice about kicking him over to third and then letting uh, Michael Garcia be that shortstop of the future. Okay, so we had an idea that this was the case, and now we get some cold, hard facts, and it's a little jarring, but – I'm talking about the MJ Melendez um, catching uh, dynamic here. Um, All this stuff is coming to light, and the the analytics are saying what a poor catcher he actually is. What does that mean for his future uh, behind the plate and elsewhere? Yeah, it's it's rough, man. I mean – when your blocks above average are minus 25, you're like, okay, well, that sounds bad. Let's see where the next closest guy is. And uh, Yasmani Grandal and I believe one other player were at minus 11. <laughs> you're like, mm. so he's over twice as bad <laughs> as the next guy. Um, and it's not like he didn't have – he had more block opportunities than both of those guys. And his blocking runs were bad. His framing runs were bad. Like, he was just objectively a really, really poor defender behind the plate last year, and you're like, well, he's young. He has an opportunity to get better. They're bringing in Paul Hoover. They're bringing in all those guys that can help him improve, and that's absolutely true. But on the flip side, this season he's not going to get many opportunities because Salvador Perez is still going to catch quite often. I mean, it might be a more proactive thing for the Royals to to exercise more maintenance on him, and they will. Um, But Freddie Furman is in the picture They have some guys in the minors that are going to eventually come up and need catcher reps because Vinny Pasquantino seems to be the first baseman of the future, and if not, Nick Prado is going to be filtering in there. Um, So you're running out of places to put different guys um, as the Bucks just released Donovan Smith. Um, That was reported. Anyway, Ah. uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at TweetDeck and trying to talk Royals at the same time, so we're multitasking. But that break, breaking news is breaking news, brother. No one apologize. Yeah, exactly. Um, MJ Melendez, he's going to be in left field. He's going to play a lot of left field. I think that is the position he spent a lot of the offseason working on, and he's mentioned it throughout this offseason and into spring training that he really made that an effort and a point 
Um, the Royals have informed him, it seems, that, hey, dude, you're going to be out in left field. You're going to still get opportunities behind the plate and stay sharp. But I just have a hard time imagining if he's not fully focused on that, how much better can he actually get? You know what I yeah. mean? So I think yeah. natural regression to the mean. He's a good athlete and a good kid, and he works hard. So, like, sure, he can get better. But I do think there's absolutely a world where he just is not suitable to play behind the plate, which is weird considering his uh, profile and how he came up through the minors and was applauded for his defense. But sometimes that stuff just doesn't work out. So I think he can be a valuable big leaguer, and the bat is super legit, I think. But that very well could be in left field instead of behind the dish. And to your point, uh, wouldn't you agree that he better hit his you-know-what off to stay up there? No, 100%, 100%. What do you think of the pitch clock and how it's being managed slash um, abused slash manipulated? I think the the Max uh, Scherzer stuff is pretty yeah. awesome. The Zach Grinky stuff is pretty awesome. Like, for the veterans that are just messing around with it right now, I think it's very funny. I think that it, the clips are great, and I think it's going to be good for them. Um, I, I was talking on... And I forgot, oh, it was the podcast, One Royal Way. We, we talked last week about it. And I was thinking, well, with it sped up, I, I think it's good for people watching the game, obviously. And I, I kind of sometimes shy away from big changes in baseball because I'm like, it's not going to bring that many more people in. I kind of like the game the way it is. But this one very well could change for the better. I think it's more fun. I think that you're going to have less time in between pitches for guys that are getting shelled to get in their own heads. Um, but it also provides less time to make adjustments. And I think you're not going to run into a bunch of guys that run off the end of that pitch clock. I think it's a suitable time. I think personally I'd probably up it to 20 without runners on base and then maybe 25 with runners on base, just add five seconds to each scenario. Um, but I think it's a positive change. I think there were absolutely avenues that baseball could have taken that were negative. It personally doesn't bother me. I like the early results. I think that the little the, the pitch com little beeper thing is also pretty neat. So they're messing around with stuff. You know, baseball is dangerously close to the point where they just have to start trying out different things and seeing what sticks. I think this is going to be a positive change, and it, it's far from um, – an early disaster. Which I don't think don't you think it'll be? Tw- don't you think it'll, the rule will be tweaked sooner rather than later, though, yeah. to use a yeah. little bit of common sense and put that in the lap of the umpire? I think you almost have to, too, right? Like you can't go too far to where you're just like with the uh, the ghost runner rule. And I didn't like it from the beginning, and then they were doubling down, saying we're going to keep it this way. Like I think if you get the early feedback and you get the early results and of all places, if you're not doing it, you know, you're doing it in the minor leagues, great. And then you're upping it to spring training at the big league level. And then you're doing the regular season at the big league level. Like at a certain point, you have to be mostly certain that it's going to work. And if you make those tweaks sooner rather than later, you eliminate the, the potential of it being a, a playoff deciding thing. Or like the, the longer you wait, the, the bigger of a deal it's going to get. So I think you do make those changes pretty soon if you're going to make them. Good stuff as always, Jordan. We always appreciate catching up with you. Have a great week. Yep. Take care, buddy. You bet. Jordan Foote, at Foote Noted on Twitter, all things Kansas City sports. 
They are through three in Fort Worth. The eight-seeded Shocker women, 46. The top seed USF Bulls, 38. Wichita State hanging on to an eight-point lead in the final ten minutes of the AAC semifinals down in Fort Worth. Can they pull the upset? We'll keep an eye on it and let you know. When we come back, ask the host, NBA Styles, coming up next. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. When it comes to making plans for next year, it's time to think new for 22. Take advantage of the season's best pricing on model year 2022 Case IH equipment from CanEquip. Choose from Case IH Cedars, Tillage Tools, and more. Plus five years of an AFS Connect subscription with purchase on select equipment. Visit CanEquip in Wichita and Hutchinson, your Case IH Red Zone sponsor. CanEquip, CanEquip, you. Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds? This Fire Prevention Month First Alert is reminding you to be prepared by installing smoke and carbon monoxide alarms on every level and in each bedroom of your home. Don't forget to add First Alert fire extinguishers on every level plus in common spaces like the kitchen and know how to use them. Protect your whole home with safety you can trust by visiting firstalert.com and Lowe's stores today. Paid for by Bar Justice. Attention. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months? The FDA has warned that Zantac and other medications containing heartburn drug, ranitidine, may be contaminated with cancer-causing agent NDMA. Zantac may be linked to these cancers, bladder, colorectal, esophageal, intestinal, kidney, liver, ovarian, pancreatic, stomach, testicular, and uterine. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months, call now. 800-516-9931. Never stop taking medication without first consulting a physician. Call right now for a free consultation. You may be owed significant compensation. Call 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. That's 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. Here in Manhattan, every man is a wildcat. Into the corner for three. Yes, sir! Yes, sir! Join us for the start of a new era. Our next head basketball coach at Kansas State University, Jerome Tang. Be a part of the wildcat journey all season long on your home for Kansas State basketball. Thursday, Kansas State faces TCU in the Big 12 Tournament. Hear the tip-off at 8.30 right here on the home of the Wildcats, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. All kinds of nuggets today. The State basketball nuggets, Chiefs and Royals nuggets, 
Grape Nuts Nuggets. And overall, bang-up job done by all involved today. It's 126. It is time now for Ask the Host. We've determined that uh, we're going to give in the NBA a little bit of love, so that will be the topic today. Uh, Jack, who wants to be a millionaire style, will pepper me with questions, and the questions will have to do with the NBA. So here we go. All right, Jack, what's up? Question number one. Whose nickname in the NBA was the Wiz Kid? Wow. I usually uh, pride myself on uh, this kind of thing. Knowing, knowing dudes' nicknames, numbers, where they went to school, stuff like that. The Wiz Kid? The Wiz Kid was one of his nicknames. Mr. Triple Double was. The Engine. And The Kid. The engine. That's not a bad one. Although, that's not helping me either. Um, I don't know. Who? The correct answer is Cal Berkeley legend, Jason Kidd. Oh, Jason Kidd. He was huh. nicknamed the Wiz Kid, or one of his many nicknames at that. Yeah, well, I don't. either none of them stuck or none of them stuck in my head. All right, that's a new one on me. Question number two. Who was the first Turkish-born player in NBA history? Did you see they're going to retire Pau Gasol's number? I did not see that, but good for him. Yeah. A little surprising, but yeah, like you said, good for him. The first Turkish-born player. Dang. Where's Gasol from? Spain? Yes, he is a Spaniard. Uh huh. I'm 0 for 2. I can't even think of one. Former Raptor and Orlando Magic player, Hidu Turkaloo. Oh, okay. He was yeah. the first Turkish born player in NBA history. Question number three Who was the 1989 slam dunk champion who went by the nickname of Sky? Kenny Walker. There you go. That was Sky he, Walker. That was a really good uh, performance by him in the dunk contest. Goes without saying because he won it, but quite good. Quite good. That was when uh, that was when players wore the whatever you call them, sliding shorts yes. or compression shorts underneath their basketball shorts. That was a big thing uh, then, and I think Kenny Walker was one of those guys. Question number four. Who was NBA Rookie of the Year after Jordan was? That would have been 80, what, 87? 80, something like that. Um, you, can you give me a hint? This was 1986, and this 86. player was a 1-1 pick. So he better be Rookie of the Year. Hall of Famer as well. In 86. Uh, give me the team. This is going poorly for me. Who did he do it for? He did this for, let me just make sure that I uh, don't slip up here because i got to get 
I want to make sure I, I don't. I know which team he played for for the majority of his career. I just want to make sure it well, was. Tell that. me that. Tell me that. The team he played for for the majority of his career was the New York Knicks. And he won this award with the Knicks. He only played for two other teams in his NBA career. And he's a Hall of Famer? Did you say that? He is a Hall of Famer, 11-time All-Star, 7-time All-NBA, 3-time All-Defensive Team, and Rookie of the Year in the 1985-86 season. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Patrick Ewing. There you go. Okay. Patrick Ewing was the Rookie kinda of the Year, the year after Michael Jordan. Kind of overthought that. Okay. Question number five. Who was elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2002 with only four NBA seasons. He only played four seasons? He played four seasons. Uh, in his first three professional years, he played in Yugoslavia and Spain. He spent the majority of his time with the New Jersey Nets. Oh, man. Uh, he died in a car crash, didn't he? Uh, I believe so, yes. He died at the age of 28. Yes. Uh, my God. He played with the Blazers some. Yes. And the Nets. And Oh, man, his name's escaping me. He, he got in a car wreck in Germany, and, and I, I think. And that's what, uh, that's what did him in. Oh, man. Petro. Uh, Petro is a nickname. There's a nickname for you. There you go. His nickname uh, was Petro. And Mozart of the Hoops. <laughs> he was pretty good. Uh, Drazen Petrovic. There you go. Drazen there, Petrovic. There. That's a great. That might have been one of your better answers that you've had. You walked it, walked it through a little bit. Yeah. Question number six. Who was drafted after LeBron James and ahead of Carmelo Anthony? After LeBron and before Carmelo. By the Detroit Pistons, second overall in the 2003 NBA draft. He is an NBA champion. And his nickname is the Human Victory Cigar. <laughs> I was going to say Drazen, uh, not Drazen. I was going to say Darko Milicic, but that wasn't him, was it? Wasn't Darko. It was Darko Milicic. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was drafted behind LeBron. Of course, LeBron going 1-1 uh -huh. to Cleveland. But he was ahead of Carmelo Anthony. I think he also spent some time as a UFC fighter. I think he what? tried. Yeah, I think he tried to make a comeback. Look it up maybe on break. Darko Milicic, I think, had a, a fighting career of some sort after NBA. Wow. How big was he? Seven foot. For some reason. Huh? Seven yeah. foot, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Question number seven. Who signed a college letter of intent in 2001, but then decided to go pro? Oh, man. Yeah, give me a little more than that. Uh, the hint may be he was the biggest bust in NBA history. Oh. Was it uh, Anthony, what's his name? Not Anthony Bennett. Okay. Bigger bust than this guy. Yeah, this guy, <laughs> I guy? think, arguably was a bigger bust. His nickname was Coffee. 
He was drafted 1-1 by the Washington Wizards. Spent some time there, spent some time with the Lakers, spent some time with the Pistons, with the Bobcats, with the Warriors. Tyson Chandler or Eddie, uh, no. You're kind of around that area. This guy was selected one overall. Tyson Chandler went two. Pau Gasol went three. Jason Richardson went five. Shane Battier, six. Joe Johnson went tenth. Uh, Richard Jefferson went thirteenth in that draft. Um, Zach Randolph went nineteenth. See if I got any. Gerald Wallace went twenty fifth. Jamal Tinsley went twenty seventh. Tony Parker went twenty eighth. Gilbert Arenas went thirty first. Think of all those guys that they could have drafted instead of the guy. <laughs> Brian <we're talking> Scalabrini <laughs> went thirty fifth. He was a better pro than this guy too, huh? Who was it? Kwame Brown. Wow, yeah. Uh, who also, Stephen A. Smith had a very notorious rant uh, on Kwame Brown, calling him a certified scrub. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'll have to play for you, maybe. <laughs> if the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. he. Uh, Sorry, man. He had a, a, some very harsh words for Kwame Brown. Man, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Question number eight. Let's see if I can find you a better one, the one that just popped up for me. Let's go with, oh, this is kind of a tougher one here. Okay. Couldn't be any tougher than the ones you're giving me. Yeah, this this one uh, might be too tough as well. Um, Okay. Try me. Let's go with this one. You'll probably know the name, but it was a while ago. Which team drafted Derek Favors third overall in 2010? Derek Favors. I'm going to go with the Pacers. Not a bad guess, but it was the New Jersey Nets. Also spent a lot of time with the Utah Jazz. Okay. Question number nine. Which point guard tied a record by committing 14 turnovers in a single game? <laughs> Got a dubious honor. 14 turnovers. That's tough. Uh, tough record to have. Very. And it would kind of shock you, this player. He was a good player. There's 14 turnovers in the game. What did this player uh, do most of his damage on the good side with? What team? Oh. Would they give it away? Um, no, it wouldn't give it away. He just played like it was all kind of evenly distributed. He spent about the same amount of time in New oh, Jersey okay. as he did with Dallas. So Jason Kidd? Yeah. 14 turnovers 14 for Jason Kidd. 14 turnovers in a game. Wow. And question number 10. And this one is a little bit of a thinker here, but it might be a trick question. Which basketball player name means the little warrior? Not his nickname. Oh. His name That's what is, his name really means. Means yeah. little warrior, which is just so ironic. I think I think I've heard this question before. I know I have. Minute bowl. <laughs> you gonna lock it in as your final answer? You said it'd be ironic, so yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> the correct answer is Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. Which Birthday is not as tall yesterday. as Manute Bowl, but uh, no? probably would take about 10 Manute Bowls to equal him in size. How about that 
picture of Manute Bowl in a swimming pool. Oh, that is, that's a haunting. And I mean, really is. a very haunting image. For no reason other than just he looks creepy in the water. Correct. All correct. All right. Uh, that one ran me through the ringer on today's Ask the Host. Uh, hopefully, it'll be better next time. All right. Uh, just an update from Fort Worth. Believe it or not, Wichita State has extended its lead over USF. It's 61 to 46 at the moment. They are about four minutes remaining in that game. That's the eight seed Wichita State against the one seed uh, USF. 61 46. Jack? Since we finished up a little bit early, it's totally yeah. up to you. Would you like to have your ears blessed with the Stephen A. Smith Kwame Brown rant? I would. Silly question. Yes, <laughs> it's only two silly. minutes long, so we'll be able to hit oh, break perfect. and have plenty of time. Yeah, no, fine. Go. So here's Stephen A. Smith on the Kwame Brown Pau Gasol trade, I think 15 years ago. Okay. Did LA give up too much to get a guy who has been labeled soft, although he puts up 19 and 9, which only 11 other guys do? Is that a trick question? You tell me. They gave up Kwame Brown. Two first-rounders. I could, I could care less. I into his salary for First years. of all, understand something. When you're giving up first-round picks, if you are a quality team in, play, in playoff contention, it really doesn't mean that much. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The City of Angels, Hollywood, just should be celebrated. Throw a parade already, whether you win a championship or not. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect <laughs> whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call tell everybody the truth. The man cannot play the game of basketball. He has small hands. He can't catch the ball. He's got bad feet. He can't really move, even though he's mobile. Doesn't really know what he's doing. Doesn't have a post move that he he puts to memory that he can do two times in a row. He has no game whatsoever. Plays no defense. Doesn't have the heart, the passion, or anything that comes with it. And you're asking me whether this, okay. they gave up too much? Please. The Los Angeles Lakers knew exactly what they were doing. They should be celebrating right now, and Kobe Bryant should not be saying a word. His contract comes about off anything. the books, and as you know, in the and? NBA, it's all about contracts, so Memphis now gets a lot of cap relief. No, it's not all His about contract contracts. comes off the books. Yes, that is true, but it's not all about contracts. It's all of, it's all about contracts if you're a scrub team. If you're a team that has Kobe Bryant on it, looking for another piece to that championship puzzle, then it ain't about contracts. Is it's Powell about that? players. Is Powell up Absolutely. another piece? Absolutely. With Kobe Bryant, Andrew Bynum, Derek Fisher, Lamar Odom. Understand, the Los Angeles Lakers did not give up Lamar Odom. They did not give up Andrew Bynum. When they were in pursuit of Jermaine O'Neal, these are the pieces that the Indiana Pacers were asking for. When they were searching around the place all over the league to find something that would appease Kobe Bryant, everybody said Odom or Andrew Bynum. When the Minnesota Timberwolves were talking about moving Kevin Garnett, again, Bynum and Lamar Odom's name came up into the equation. In this particular instance, you keep those guys. You still have Fisher with Jordan Farmer. And on top of all of that, you give up Kwame Brown? Please, there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to think about. <laughs> You're right. That's epic. Uh, Stephen A. sounded really young there. Uh, but anyway, speaking of, I'm Old Jack Young is brought to you by Enhanced Wellness of Derby, who can make you feel young again with their testosterone optimization program Top T-O-P. Enhanced Wellness, locally owned, and you can find them at enhancedwellnessderby.com. Call or text 316-358-9780. That's 358-9780. Enhanced Wellness of Derby brings you I'm Old Jack Young. Next. 
You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. The 2023 Envision Golf 4 Vision Tournament will be held on Thursday, May 11th at Teradyne Country Club. Come join us and our friends and partners as we help raise money for Envision's programs and services that promote independence and create opportunity for people of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. To sign up or sponsor the event, contact us at 316-440-1532 or visit golfforvision.com. We hope to see you May 11th for a day of golfing for Envision. When it comes to making plans for next year, it's time to think new for 22. Take advantage of the season's best pricing on model year 2022 Case IH equipment from CanEquip. Choose from Case IH Cedars, tillage tools, and more. Plus five years of an AFS Connect subscription with purchase on select equipment. Visit CanEquip in Wichita and Hutchinson, your Case IH Red Zone sponsor. CanEquip, CanEquip, you. Wireless headphones. That'll be $200. I'll use my Capital One Quicksilver card. Now that's a hit. You used the Capital One Quicksilver card, which makes you the hero of every purchase. With Quicksilver, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere. I wanted running music, but unlimited 1.5% cash back is pretty heroic. Good instincts. Every hero needs a theme song. The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hi, this is Brian Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. And this is Blake Davis with a great deal on Bacardi 1.75 liters, just $18.99. And don't forget about Bud Light 24-pack 12-ounce cans, only $22.99. Davis Liquor Outlet, each store independently owned and operated. Excludes 31st Meridian. From the players, cheerleaders, and coaches to the families and fans, the Kansas Contractors Association and its members are proud to help pave the way to the Big 12 Championship. Kansans are working every day, from Leota to Lawrence, from Mead to Manhattan, to build the infrastructure that our families and our businesses count on. You can help build our state's future. Find out why thousands of Kansans are choosing high-paying careers in heavy construction. Visit WeBuildKansas.com backslash careers. It's Championship Week, and ESPN Wichita is headed to Kansas City. The Shane Dennis Show and the Pulse with me, Pat Strumpman, will be broadcasting live from the Big 12 Championship Tournament throughout the week. We'll have the latest analysis from games, post-game audio with coaches and players, and much, much more from the T-Mobile Center. Our Big 12 Championship coverage is presented by Enhanced Wellness and Derby and the Kansas Contractors Association. Your home for the Big 12 Championship is ESPN Wichita. 92.3 FM. Is this a uh, Englishman? This. This gotta be Harry Styles. You would be correct. Not a bad song. 
This is the best one if I had to pinpoint one. Yeah. I'm not a fan of, like, watermelon sugar. Or... Is he still a thing? Is he still oh, yeah. No, I, think, okay. I think he won a couple of awards, maybe, in the the latest Grammy Awards. Oh, okay. I think. I didn't watch them, but I'm right. guessing he did. Okay. All right. Um, there you go. There's Harry Styles for you. They are in the final minute in Fort Worth. And your Wichita State women's basketball team is up 12 on the top seed USF. 51 seconds left. Shockers 65, Bulls 53. Today is March 7th. And quite a day for birthdays, I must say. We'll start with Taylor Tankersley turning 40. Wow. Uh, it's going to be tougher than I thought it would be. I'll guess football. No. I thought you get that. Uh, mm. Former pitcher, baseball player. No. Yeah, no. Of, of not very... Uh, not very much fame, obviously. Um, Rays, perhaps. Uh, Matt Blunden, fifty-four. That's a rough start for me. I'll go. Uh, now you know how I felt. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep him with football. Yeah, he's a former Chiefs quarterback. He was in oh. a long line of bust quarterbacks that they took. He was out of Virginia. Matt Blunden also played with the Lions a little bit. Ricky Prohl, 55. Man. You don't know who Ricky Prohl was? Uh, I'll keep it with football? Yeah, wide receiver. Okay. Yep. Same day, same year, Jeff Kent. Ah, former Giant. I think, wasn't there a story that Bonds and Kent, like, really hated each other? Like, hated each other. Like, yes. on the verge of, like, killing another. Yes. Yes, hated each other. Correct. Per debt, too. Willie Flipper Anderson is 58. Flipper's his nickname. I guess baseball. No. Wide oh. receiver. Football. Damn. Same day, same year. Steve Berline. Uh, football? Yeah. Quarterback. Okay. Now, now analyst. Joe Carter, 63. Former Blue Jay. Yes, former Shocker. Same day, same year. Yvonne Lindel, 63. He's Czechoslovakian. Oh. Uh, hockey? Tennis. Oh, <laughs> oh damn. Uh, Lynn Swan, 71. Now, I feel like I should really know this one. I'll go football. Yes. Okay. He was the guy, uh, the sideline reporter on uh, The Water Boy. That's right. I was I was like, That's that Lynn sounds Swamp. so familiar. Yeah. 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 Born on this day, now dead. J.R. Richard. Baseball. Yes. Strikeout leader, 1978, 1979. Really big dude, right? Astro? Yes. Like 6'8". Teammates with Nolan Ryan. How would you like to... Pitch up, uh, play against those guys back to back. He had a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I remember when I worked for the Monarchs, we had like an on this day in baseball history. I remember he, it was like he had died on the day. He died tragically, didn't he? Um, he had a stroke 
that he survived, but he was never the same after it. Huh. And he died, it says here, in 2021, so not long ago. So I'm not sure if that's if that qualifies. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, born on this day, now dead, Franco Harris. Baseball. What? No, quarterback, quarterback. Or not no. football. <laughs> sorry, oh. Steeler. Okay. Steeler, okay. sorry. I was, I was still looking at the <laughs> I'm still looking at the J.R. Richard page. That's my bad. Yes, Steeler, great. <laughs> Of course you knew that. Immaculate reception and all that stuff. <laughs> Would have been 73. Um, Janet Guthrie, 85. Tennis? No. Professional race car driver. She was the first woman to race in the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500. Janet Guthrie, born in Iowa City, Iowa. It's a real tough one because he's an old. Born on the state, not dead. Would have been 100 years old today. Bobo Holloman. Uh, we'll go baseball. Yes. Through a no hitter in his debut, 1953. Yeah, setting the bar a little high. Bobo Holloman. Uh, dying on this day, Cool Papa Bell. Uh, Negro League, great. Did cool he ever Papa play? Bell. Did he ever play? Well, never mind. Doesn't matter. Uh, Homestead Grays. What he, where he played. He was an eight-time Negro League All-Star. Career batting average 337. Cool Papa Bell. Uh, let's see here. Any weddings for Pat? No. No. No divorces either, fortunately. Yeah. Peyton Manning announced his retirement seven years ago today. Geez, seven years feels like it Doesn't should it? be. Yeah, that feels a long time ago. 2016. After a, a Super Bowl championship in which he played horribly all season. Was benched, in fact. Wait, what? He was benched. The, earlier that year, he had thrown four picks in the first half against the Chiefs and got benched for Osweiler. <laughs> and went on to win a Super Bowl. I think, like, his numbers were unbelievably bad, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think he had maybe barely 10 passing touchdowns. Let me double-check on this. In oh, okay. 2015, his final year, he was 7-2. and two. He had nine touchdowns and 17 picks. Won a Super Bowl. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Same day, same year. Russian tennis star Maria Sharapova... Failed a drug test at the Australian Open. Suspended for 15 months. Maria Sharapova. That was on the same day that Peyton Manning announced his retirement. Do you think Brady comes back? Speaking of Peyton Manning retiring at 39? No. Surely... Surely not. 
Why would Miami right. go for him, too? How is he considered an upgrade at this point over Tua? I mean, I know if Tua doesn't clear they medicals. Gotta be, they got to be scared to death about Tua's health. That's that's the only explanation, right? I guess. Did, did you did you hear that uh, Philip Rivers oh boy. is thinking about coming back? I did see that. I, I think Brady's setting, setting some lofty expectation that anybody that's retired can come out of retirement and still perform well. Saying he's setting a bad example for everybody else. I mean, he's setting an annoying like, example. Like, if he comes out of retirement again, I don't think anybody should consider anything he does in this this coming year of positive value. It's stupid. See, yeah, I agree, and I think he he's even smart enough to realize that. I mean, I think he knows that he's he's already written his you know final epitaph on his tombstone like he know i think he knows he can't come back if anything i think he just loves getting this media attention when he's not even playing anymore like there's literal off-season talk of will he come back yet again no player has ever retired twice and come out of retirement twice have they Favre, he did it twice i don't know i, I thought he did like it he once did. i thought he retired once after green bay then came back and it was minnesota well, he played with the Jets too. He did, but he re- did he retire at the Minnesota? Or did he just go to the. I, I, I don't know. It just it just seems like he's they they have that in common, but maybe not. All right, there you go. Tomorrow we'll have what a moment. We'll have a World Baseball Classic to talk about. So we'll do that then. Thanks to Scott Pask. Thanks to Jordan Foot. Thanks to Jack Johnson. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Stick around, though. The Pulse is next.